This is Who Makes a Podcast, conversations with your favorite podcast hosts about who they are, the shows they make, and why they make them. I'm your host, Chris Cookley, and my guest today is Kenny McKay, author and host of the podcast Author Your Dream, a podcast dedicated to providing value to people with a dream to write and publish a book. Kenny grew up in America, but has lived in the UK since 2010. Kenny, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's a little bit unusual for me being on the other end of an interview, but I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. Well, for my listeners who may not know, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from originally, what you do beyond podcasting, if anything, where you live now, how you got there, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I grew up in northern New Hampshire in a tiny little town called Bethlehem. Uh, and in 2010, I moved to the UK with my wife, uh, where I work as a youth pastor with a church over here in Bradford. So when I'm not podcasting, I'm uh, doing a lot of work with young people, uh, raising a family. I've got three kids, nine, seven, and four. So it's a bit of a crazy life trying to fit podcasting and stuff in, but but it's working so far. Did you meet your wife before you moved over there or did you guys meet when you, when you got there? Yeah, she's from Nebraska. We both met when we were in Bible college in Oklahoma Cool. Uh, and then came over in 2010. Is the, the youth pastor thing, is that something that you have always done or what did you do uh, maybe before that or before you got into podcasting? Uh, yeah, I um, see, I graduated when I was 17 um, I had enough credit, so I figured why stay in school for another year when I didn't need to, uh, and then ended up going into Bible college right out of high school. Um, so started, let's see, 2007, I made my first trip over here, um, and that's where I really started working with young people and and really got a heart for them um, and for the UK. So um, I've really just been youth pastoring uh, for most of my life. I'm 33 now. Uh, so I came my first trip, I was 19. Wow. Um, so I've been doing that for a long time, but I've, I've held, I've been a telemarketer. I've been a grocer. I worked at a Christmas themed amusement park. So I've had different jobs, but this has been my, my main calling and vocation. Yeah. That's kind of an eclectic mix. Yeah. That's I'm an eclectic person. <laughs> <laughs> How did you end up in the UK? What was it about the UK that drew you over there? Uh, yeah, I met the mother of a pastor uh, when I was in Bible college, and she was saying that her son has internships, and they bring people over for three months during the summer, and they have them work with the church. And I was like, you know what? That that actually sounds like something I'd really like to do. I got hooked up with him through her. Um, he was American and they were down in Manchester and I came over in 2007 for the first time. And you know, when you find that thing that you just know is the right thing for you, yeah. it was one of those moments. So that was how I got to the UK and then, and then youth. And at first I wasn't, I wasn't too sure being not too far out of youth myself. I was like, they're annoying. I, they think they know everything. I don't want to work with youth. Um, but they grew on me. <laughs> and now I can't imagine myself doing anything else. So what age group would that be that you're you're mostly working with? Yeah, I work with 11 to 18. 
mostly. We do a little bit of work um, with the eight to 11s because they're, they're coming up and they'll be making transitions, but it's mostly 11 to 18. So this show is all about podcasting and you know, what is it about podcasting that drew you in and what is it about podcasting that excites you right now? Yeah. What a great question. Uh, so at first I, I had a book that, cause I'm, I'm an author and I wrote my first book. It's a Christian nonfiction. Then my second one was based on the fact that it took me three years to write that first book. And a lot of it was one procrastination uh, but two, it was because I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't, I, so I had to do a bunch of research and I had to, you know, hundreds of hours of reading blogs and books and listening to podcasts. And it was really great information. And there are some great podcasters out there, but they're making six figures. They've got, you know, multiple digits in the book world. And I'm like, okay, this is great, but I don't feel like, they're speaking to me. I feel like they're so far beyond where I am now that they're not asking the questions in the way that I am asking the questions. Right. So I had an idea for the book and then I realized that I needed an audience. So I, I then had the idea for the podcast. Um, it was, I'd been listening to, I think it was Pat Flynn. Yes. Um, and he had some really great stuff on podcasting and I was like, you know, what? that sounds really great. Uh, so I started to make a plan to start a podcast and I kept putting it off and putting it off because I uh, hate the sound of my own voice. I, I can't stand the sound of it recorded, uh, which is ironic. I know <laughs> being a preacher and a podcaster, I know. <laughs> I think most people definitely feel like that um, when they hear their voice recorded for the first time. So I can absolutely relate to that. Yes. Yeah. And um, I actually hear a lot of that from my guests as well. Um, so I put it off. And then over here, uh, when lockdown hit in March of 2020, like I was like, oh, okay, I'll do it in April. And then lockdown hit. And I was like, well, there's no point in putting it off anymore. What, am, what else am I going to do? Because right. they were a little bit strict over here. We, we weren't able to leave our house except for the essentials. And we could only do one form of exercise outside. Otherwise, we would have a thousand pound fine. Uh, so we were really stuck inside. So I figured, you know what? No time like the present. Might as well do it now. Yeah, I feel like with all of the difficulties that the pandemic has given the world, there's definitely going to be a lot of stories like that with people having more time on their hands to pursue their hobbies and their interests that they might not otherwise have had. So I don't think there's going to be any way that we can collectively put a value on that. But looking back, I think once, if, if we ever get past this, uh, once we get past this, um, it, it would be really cool to be able to collect all of that art that's probably being created as, as part of this being stuck inside thing that a lot of people went through. Yeah. I mean, I've seen things that people are doing, like they learn to paint and they're incredible. Yeah. I'm just like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just to touch back on Pat Flynn, uh, Smart Passive Income Podcast, definitely somebody that I also listen to. He's he's pretty fantastic. So um, if you're not listening to Pat, you should definitely go check his podcast out. He would be a, a dream guest for me. <laughs> nice. I love that. Because I was actually just listening to him tonight on my way home. Uh, he had uh, somebody on to talk about uh, online courses, yeah. and that's something that I'm looking at getting into for 
uh, for my stuff. And I'm, I was like, oh, let's just download that and listen to it. Yeah. Oh, he's got hundreds of episodes. I mean, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. It's like in the 500s. Yeah. Unbelievable. So you started last March, last April, and I actually have a friend, Andrea Norse, who is a, a guest on your podcast, which is how I kind of got to know about you. She told me about your podcast and I've, I've listened to quite a few episodes of yours actually, because outside of this podcast, I'm also, you know, trying to write books and self-publish and that's, you know, a conversation for a, a different day. But, um, yeah, you have, you know, almost 50 episodes as far as I can tell at this point. So, uh, you know, it, it sounds like author, your dream was your first podcast that you've, that you've put out were there other ideas for podcasts before this uh there actually wasn't i hadn't really thought about doing the podcast before i came up with the idea for my book which is also called author your dream um so but i was like you know what let's just go for it why not and not but because i love listening to podcasts and i know one of your questions is do i listen to a lot and i do like i'll have I've got a good 12 podcasts that I like to listen to. And again, I'm very eclectic. So it's everything from Pat Flynn to uh, medieval history to, you know, listening to things on leadership. It's incredible the variety of information that you can get from various podcasts as, as far as a niche medium um, or a medium that holds a lot of niches, uh, podcasting seems to have a little bit of everything. So yeah, that, that was, you know, one of my questions. So it's great to hear that you, uh, also consume as well as make a podcast. I think that probably if you're not listening to podcasts, it would be difficult to, to make a good podcast like you do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so this is, you know, podcasting fairly fast growing segment. I, I don't have any numbers about that, but you know, why do you think podcasts are so attractive to listeners? What is it about them that's drawing people in? I think it's because you can do it no matter what you're doing. You can do it while you're running. You can listen to them while you wash dishes, while you're working out. You know, and it's not something that you have to stop what you're doing to sit down and listen to. Uh, you can just take it with you and get something, um, learn something new, be entertained, uh, and it doesn't really interrupt the flow of your life. Yeah, I run into that quite a bit, uh, you know, commuting to work or doing the dishes or anything like that. It's hard to watch a YouTube video while you're doing those sorts of things. But podcasting, definitely something that you can consume at that same time. What do you get you know, personally out of making your podcast? Is there anything that, that you feel like, you know, putting these episodes out or interviewing these people, obviously you're getting the knowledge from the people that you're interviewing. They're all, they're all providing really valuable information to you, especially as a, a self-published author and, and, you know, somebody who's continuing to write books. So learning about that sort of thing, but you know, the actual, the making of the podcast itself, what does that, what does that give you? Yeah, it's really, it's actually, that's such a great question. I love it. It's, um, I guess there are several different things, but I'll just, touch on one or two. So the first thing is um, it helps me to become more confident. I mean, I can be a loud, boisterous person when I want to be, but I prefer, you know, just to hang back and listen and learn and see how people fit together. And that's more of my natural instincts. But when I started the podcast, I had to reach out to people. I had to ask them if they would be willing to come on this show that nobody's ever heard of and has 
zero listeners and well, one listener, and it's not my mom because she doesn't listen to it. It's probably my <laughs> wife. <laughs> but so I, I learned confidence um, and it really helped me to feel more confidence, confident reaching out to people because that was something that I hated doing was the cold contacts. Yeah. But I have never had somebody be like, oh, I can't believe you're texting me or you're messaging me. Go away. I don't want to be on your podcast. Right. It's been, oh my goodness, thank you so much for thinking of me. Yes, I'd love to. And that positive experience has really given me the confidence to go forth into because I do some street work on in my youth work. So it's taken that from the podcasting and translated into my everyday life where I um, am a little bit more bolder when approaching young people I've not had engagement with before. I was just going to ask you about that. If it, if it related back to your youth pastoring at all, if, if the podcasting, the confidence from that tied back in any way. It definitely does. Um, like a, in the way that I just was mentioning with the confidence thing, but it also helps me with um, being more confident in my voice. Cause I, like I said earlier, I don't like the sound of my recorded voice, but as I've had to listen to myself, you know, for almost 50 episodes and edit myself, I'm like, okay, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, you know, it takes a little time to get used to that, but uh, yeah, everybody's voice, you know, it's just your voice. It is what it is. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. I think when I first did it, I, would, I looked at my wife and I was like, how can you stand living with this voice? <laughs> and she's like, it's your voice. I was like, yeah, but it's not the one I hear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's definitely a common reaction. What's what's something that you've learned about podcasting that maybe you didn't expect to learn when you started? Mm. So the first thing that pops into my mind would be that podcasting is more than just talking on a mic. There is a lot more behind the scenes that you don't see. So my shows are about 50 to 53 minutes, maybe. Sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more, but I spend a good five to six hours um, contacting people, communicating with them, getting them on the, on the episode, recording the episode, editing the episode, then doing all the promotional material and all that stuff. So it takes a, a lot of time. And that's not something that I was expecting when I first started out. And now with hindsight, I probably could have thought it through a little bit more and said, actually, it's going to take a little more than I'm expecting. Um, but yeah, so it's more than just recording is the biggest thing that I learned from podcasting or about podcasting. Well, maybe that's, uh, it's a good thing. Maybe that you didn't know that, I'd, you know, would you have continued with it if somebody had said, Hey, you want to make this hour long episode, but it's going to take you six hours of work to put it out. Uh, I think I would. Yeah. Cause my, my whole goal is to help people to add value to people. Um, I also do websites. And so I've been doing those since 2010 and I've been helping authors with it. And I'm like, I just want to help people. And my wife's like, you need to charge for this. I'm like, but I just want to help them. Um, but building that audience and building connection with my guests, as well as my audience has been really, really, really valuable um, to me personally. And I've learned so much from my guests and I try and go in with a little bit of knowledge of the topic that we're talking about, but there are things that I've just been like, no, wow. I never would have thought of that. Do you, um, 
Do you have any like, outlandish or funny stories that have uh, come up while you've been making your show? Anything kind of crazy or wacky that you didn't expect to happen? Uh, it would have been early on in the podcasting. And I used to send all my questions to my guest. And I'm like, okay, I've got an hour to record with them. I'm going to give them the question so they feel prepared. Right. And I... Sounds relatable to me right now. (laughs) Tell me why this is a mistake. Yeah, I sent the the question to this one guest and all of a sudden she answers every single question that I gave her in the first five minutes. (laughs) And I'm sitting there trying really hard to act like this is normal and trying to like flesh things out. But it was a really hard slog for that episode because I was, I had this whole plan of asking these questions throughout an hour episode. And then she just answers it. And I'm like, uh, what else do I ask her? Yeah. Just really short answers. Um, too, too well prepared maybe. Yeah. So what I do now is I, cause I like the back and forth and asking questions that people don't expect because it's more conversational for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a planner. My wife is a planner. I am the kind of, Hey, I've got an idea. Let's do it kind of person. And now what I do is when they book, I have them fill out a booking sheet that says, what are five questions about your topic that you want me to ask you? And that gives them the opportunity to prepare and feel like they're prepared, but it also allows me to throw in questions that they weren't expecting or that they're not going to answer in the first five minutes. How many questions do you typically start with? Do you, is, is there a number or is it, is it five for your hour long episode and you just hope to think of more as you go? I, I know that I sent you questions in advance. I don't even know how many are on this sheet, but there's probably 40 or 50 of them. Um, yeah. So I ask for four or five from my guests and they'll give me their stuff. And I'll ask them those questions, but then as they're talking, I'll listen for points of of interest or something that I think as a new author, I would have wanted to know more about. So I ask the question and I dive a little bit deeper into what they said, or um, sometimes I, I just get a question and like, you know what, this relates to this. Let's just ask this question because I think it'll be really good. And people seem okay with doing that because it is just a conversation between myself and them. So it wasn't always like that. It sounds like you did have a list of questions at one point. How long do you think it took before you maybe built up the confidence or just got experienced enough with making a podcast before you felt like you could handle it in that way? I think I would have preferred to handle it this way from the beginning, but I felt that people needed to feel prepared. So because I'm a, this is how I am in in ministry and how I talk with young people, I'll, I'll just have a conversation with them. And then I'll ask questions based on the content of what they're saying. Um, it shows genuine interest in what they're saying. It shows uh, that I'm not just asking a formatted list of questions. Cause a lot of times in my work, people who are older will go to the young people and just be like, Oh, how is school? And they'll get eight people asking the same question. Hmm. So I try and do not do that. I try and ask questions based on the content of what they're saying. And I would have, so I would have preferred to start it out that way, but I didn't because I thought they needed it. Yeah. Learning, uh, learning points for me here, probably. So podcasting, you know, it's not something that people 
come to naturally. It, it is, I'm learning a, a skill that you need to develop. Are there any books that you've read or any pieces of media that you've consumed that have influenced how you make your show or have enabled you to make your show in a, a better way? Mm, very, very good question. Um, there are a few, and of course, I don't have them right now. Let me, give me a second. So there are a few podcast hosting sites out there that have blogs. Um, I don't know. How are you hosting this podcast? I haven't decided yet. <laughs> so I I use uh, Podbean. Okay. And that's what I do. So who is it? Buzzsprout.com. They have a whole blog section that they have about how to make a podcast and different things. And then there's a really great podcast that I listen to about podcasting. Uh, and that one is called Podcraft, Honing the Art of Podcasting. So those are two like podcast specific resources that I listen to or read. Uh, but I also like to improve uh, how I interview. So I have been reading a book. And I'll just pull it up real quick and tell you. It's called Talk to Me. How to Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, and Interview Anyone Like a Pro. And that's by Dean Nelson. And I've been reading that and it's been really helping me to take a different approach or a better approach to interviewing. Yeah, I'm going to have to order that for sure. Yeah, I can send you a link if you want. <laughs> sure, yeah. It sounds like exactly uh, exactly what I need. So we kind of know what your your podcast is about, but it is... Uh, you're interviewing authors or people who know things about publishing, know things about writing books. Uh, I noticed that your guests come on to your show with a lot of general knowledge, yes, but also you have a specific topic that you're hoping to discuss. So do you have a predetermined list of topics that you're trying to cover and then you find a guest and you slot them in? Or do you find guests first and then you work with them to figure out what kind of a topic they could deliver on? This has actually changed um, since when I first started a podcast. So when I first started, I didn't have any guests. I didn't know who to contact. I didn't know what, I, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> right. So I, I would at, reach out to people or I'd see a blog post and I'd reach out and say, hey, I saw this podcast or this blog post, would you like to come on my podcast and talk about this topic? Um, for example, it was Mindy, Mindy Shaneman. She wrote a podcast about launching during the pandemic or a blog. I keep mixing them. So Mindy Shaneman wrote a blog post about launching during the pandemic. And I thought that was fantastic. So I reached out to her and invited her on the show and she said, yes. And then what I did was I asked if she had a two to three people that, that she could suggest referrals for the podcast. And she gave me a few and then I'd ask them for it and I'd reach out and be like, Hey, would you like to talk about this subject? Or I spoke to one of the referrals I got was um, Shayla Raquel and she was talking about author branding on her website. So I reached out to her and asked for that. And she gave me some more referrals. And as I got more referrals, people would come to my website and they'd, uh, to fill out the guest request form and they would submit their three topics for what they could talk about during the episode. 
Um, and I'd, if they were a good fit, I'd reach out to them and say, hey, topic number two would be fantastic. Would you like to come on the show? Uh, but now people are actually seeking me out more and more. So I've not had to go and find people unless I really wanted somebody. And I said, you know, this person has great content. I would like them to talk about this. Um, so now I had myself put on a email list for a podcastingguest.com, I think is what it's called. Um, and I ended up getting like 130 people submitting for oh, geez. being a guest on the show. And they'd submit a topic or two to three, depending on the person. Uh, and I had to go through and be like, okay, that's a good fit. That's not a good fit. Oh, I love that you are putting together a launch team fast. Let's talk about that. Or, you know what? It's great that you wrote a book, but just because you wrote a book doesn't mean you're a good fit for my podcast. Right. Because I'd have some people just be like, hey, I wrote a book. And that was their pitch. And I was like, oh, I mean, congratulations. I know what an accomplishment that is. But that's not really, it's not going to help me or add value to my guests. So you're kind of looking at the guests that are, at, at this point, making themselves known to you. And then from there, trying to figure out what kind of a topic you want to discuss with them. Or do you, do you have a list of topics that you're hoping to find a guest for at some point? Um, I don't have a solid list. I have a few ideas. Um, like I know that this season I really wanted to focus a lot on craft. Um, so more of more of the episodes are on craft rather than marketing or uh, different aspects of the writing and publishing journey. How do you vet your guests? What are you What are you looking for in a guest to decide that they would be worth bringing on? That is a great question, and actually something that I am working out even now. Because uh, before it would be, oh, somebody said yes, or oh, somebody wants to be on the show. And I jump at it because I didn't have anybody. But what I look for is I look at the pitch because when you get 130 pitches all at once, you can tell the people who have something to bring to the audience and they realize that you know you're not just there to promote their book. And you'll look, you realize the people who are like only wanting value for themselves. So they'd be like, Oh, I wrote a book or, Oh, I wrote three books. And I like to respond to everybody. And I'm, I'm really nice about it. I'm like, you know, thank you so much for reaching out. I've read your pitch, but unfortunately at this time, it's not a good fit for the show. And most people are gracious, but I've had a few people like, what do you mean? I've <laughs> written five books. I'm good. I should be on your show. And I'm like, yeah, next to that person's name, I put never. I think I heard you just mention that on an episode. Yeah. Yeah. I just did. I just talked about it the other day and I'm like, I, I will never have you on the show because of the way you responded to rejection, I guess. So, you know, burning the bridges is, is something to watch out for. You don't have to mention any names and it may not have ever happened, but have you had a guest that just didn't work out? Like you brought them on, you did the interview, you recorded it. And then just after the fact decided, you know what, this isn't going to work for my podcast. This didn't play out the way that I thought it did. And you just kind of shelve it and it never comes out. Um, I have not yet. There have been a few episodes where I'm like, oh, that wasn't as helpful or informative as I wanted it to be, but it still had some really good information. Um, so I've, I've never interviewed somebody and then not published it. 
How far out in advance are you typically interviewing people? So I am just switching to a weekly show. So it was bi-weekly or every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people get confused. <laughs> yeah, Twice a week, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm switching to a, a weekly release schedule, whereas before it was every two weeks. Uh, and now because of that, I don't want to all of a sudden be like, oh no, I don't have a podcast episode. I need to quickly record, edit, promote, market, do all that stuff in two days. So I try and do a good... So right now I have um, just released one yesterday. I have one that's already recorded. And then I have one that I will be recording tomorrow. And then I've already booked people for the next week. So I try and have it a good two to three weeks in advance. Are you are you batching these when you do it? It sounds like you're recording maybe one a day, one every other day. Have there been days where you've recorded two or three episodes in a single day just to just to get them out of the way? Uh, not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, my schedule is fairly flexible. Um, so I'm able to kind of pick and choose the days and times because what I'll, I'll do Calendly and I'll, I'll send this out and give them a time frame. Um, and what was it? You're East Coast. So you're about five hours. Uh, Central. Yeah. Yeah. And depending on where you are, they are in the country, it's five, six or, or more. So I'm able to get a good time for me in the afternoon when the kids are at school um, or at night when they're in bed. Uh, and then it also works for them because it's during hours that they can do. Uh, but so now that I've been reaching out to people on a more regular basis, people are starting to book one right after the other. Uh, so that was a learning experience that I had to add a little bit of you know, a bumper, a buffer between interviews because one was at two from two to three and the other was three to four. Jeez. And not every episode or every interview ends at the hour mark. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a little rough. <laughs> I can see that. Um, Calendly, something that you turned me on to as we were getting this set up really cool app if you've never heard of it allows you to plug your schedule in set available hours and then set which days you are available to to conduct an interview or to set up a zoom call is that something that you used right from the beginning or did you have to find that and i i assume if you're still using it it uh made things a little bit easier for you yes i did um i would think it was pat flynn who had taught was talking about book a guest dot com i think is what it was um but it's a paid subscription to it and i I was like well i'm not making any money and i'm you know i'm a youth pastor i don't make loads of money anyways so um i was looking for the free option and calendly so far has been really good uh, because it gives you one free after like you get a free trial but then after that it goes to just one booking form which has been working so far um but yeah, so I've used it from the beginning and it has really helped me to keep everything organized because like I said, I'm not the most organized person. Yeah, I've uh, had a couple episodes that have booked through there and it's it's been great so far. So really appreciate that uh, heads up on that one. Yeah, because you can put some questions in there for your guest. Like I on mine, I put, do you have a short bio that you'd like me to, to read? 
And when they book, they fill it out. It's a required field. So they have to fill it out before they can submit the booking. That's a great spot for that to go. Yeah. So I do that. And then there's, um, let's see, there's a questions, like what are the four to five questions about your topic? Um, do you have a book or product that you would like to promote during the episode? Because when I entered this, I wanted to, one, add value to the audience of aspiring authors, and two, add value to my guests by giving them the opportunity to promote something. So that's all in the booking form that they have to fill out before they can submit. Yeah, that's clever. That's, that's good to capture that on the front end. One of the issues that I've had throughout my life when I start a new project such as this is that I get excited up front. And I put a lot of work in and, you know, I, I make something, but then I kind of lose steam and, uh, I get interested in something else and it kind of falls by the wayside, which is not what I want to happen with this podcast. So you've released almost 50 episodes of author your dream as we're recording this. How do you stay motivated to keep creating new episodes? Wow. That is a great question. And we are cut from the same cloth. You know, I get to that point where I'm like, oh, you know, it was fun. It was good for the first little bit, but now I'm a little bored. Let's move on to the next exciting and new thing. Yeah. And that's the thing about interviewing people. That's why I made it an interview podcast. Cause I started with a, it was like one week was an interview. One week was just me. And I hated just me. I loved the back and forth and the connection with the other person. And because it's a new person every week it's always new. So that motivation and that excitement is always there. And there are times where I'm like, Oh, I just wish I could cancel this. I don't want to do it. But then I get on and I'm like, that was a fantastic episode. Jen, my wife's name is Jen. <laughs> like that was a fantastic episode. It was really great. I'm so glad I did it. But it's the, the motivation is that it's new. It's something that isn't same old, same old. So it really helps me to keep going. Each conversation is different. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad that I have uh, chosen this format. Maybe that'll help keep things moving. You mentioned earlier that seasons. And I th- I think when you first started the podcast, maybe you were not doing seasons or were you? Or if, if you weren't, why did you why did you decide to move to seasons? Yeah, I wasn't at first. Um, but then as I got into like episode 20, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to break. So by having a season, it allowed me to take a a short hiatus, but also to take that hiatus and plan for season two, or plan as much as I do. Um, And that helped me to really just not get overworked or burn out. Um, It gave me a rest. It gave my my family a rest because whenever I'm on a podcast in their home, they have to go into their room and nobody can leave. Nobody can pee, (laughs) you know. I can hear my wife sometimes, shh, be quiet. Oh, Your dad's on an interview. Oh, boy. Well, that's, that's super considerate of them that they would do that for you. Uh, yes. Well, my wife, is, my wife is amazing. I couldn't do what I do if I didn't have her. And she's really understanding. And like right now, she's in the other room sorting and organizing because we have some people coming over. But she plans to do things when I'm on interviews. That's great. Do you have a number of episodes that you're shooting for in, in the second season, or is it kind of just, I'm going to go until I decide I want another break. Yeah. First season was about 30 episodes. And I think I like that. I'm on, 
episode, just released episode 15. So there's 15 more uh, before I break. And uh, I think I'm going to do 30 in each season. Uh, that might change. So don't, don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is it one of my guests was saying, she said, don't be afraid to try new things. And that was back in the beginning when I was doing one interview and one solo episode yeah, and was hating it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid to try something new just because I started this way. And I think when you first start out doing a podcast, you're kind of feeling your way through and figuring out what works, what doesn't, what you like, what you absolutely hate. And I think in the beginning you can have a little bit of a play and it's okay, but not too massive of a change. So if I had gone from like two episodes a month to just one, I think that would have been detrimental to the growth of the podcast. Yeah. Note to listeners, this may change over time as you listen to who makes a podcast. You just said if you had gone from two episodes to one per month, that might've been detrimental to the podcast and you're releasing one episode each week now. Do you think one episode a week is kind of an optimal release schedule? Have you, have you noticed a benefit from that as far as listenership or, um, it, the workload of it, does that feel manageable for the long term for you? Uh, I just started a couple of weeks ago, so I haven't really seen a massive change or anything. I don't have enough data on that yet, but I, for the workload, I have really kind of sat down and figured out how to streamline everything. So for the promotional material, I have a template and I just drag and drop and I get the people to send me the their photos early so that I can just batch the promotional you have the uh the guest on the cover art for that particular episode i do um i've had a few guests who uh because of what they wrote and where they live they didn't want to be on the cover so i've used like um logos or i've used some kind of uh animation or illustration um i did a one-on audiobooks and I just used a microphone because the person didn't have the photo for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I use freepix.com. It's a subscription thing, but they've got some really great stuff. How are you, how are you driving growth to your podcast? How's that gone for you? That is a, a big learning curve for me. Um, I'm not the biggest promote myself type of person. So I've had to learn to step out. So uh, I've been reaching out to, um, I'll share the episode title image is what I call it with the guest and they'll share it with their people. And I've started a collecting in email newsletter, which is something that I wish I had started earlier than I have. And that's with your author website guide. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've started that just maybe last month. I think I really got it up and going, but I wish I had thought of it and done it earlier. Um, and then sharing, and I've done a few like paid um, Instagram ads, which I'm not really an expert on. So I've just been kind of like feeling it out. And I've been, I'll do like 10 pound here or um, $5 there and see how the engagement and the interaction and, and different things. So it's kind of a trial and error for me and something that, I'm doing a little bit of reading on and trying to learn how to do better. 
Because I think my for me, I try and do it's the one percent rule. I try and make my podcast one percent better, whether it be in my interview techniques or the audio. Um, I recently upgraded from a uh, blue snowball to a blue Yeti Nano. There you go. Um, and the audio has been so much better. And the blue Yeti wasn't bad, it, but it was just what I had. Yeah. So I, I was looking at it. I was like, you know what? Let's let's upgrade this. And you know, looked at my wife and gave her a handsome look, and she told me that <laughs> that didn't work. So just go buy it anyways. Kind of kind of approach, not in those words, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. I was able to upgrade, and then so I do different things, and I'll read. And try and make it better. And one thing I noticed was the way I speak. So for just from where I grew up in northern New Hampshire, our our T's are D's. So I'll say little mm. instead of little. I do that too. And I'd pick it up and I'd be like, oh my gosh. And then I'd be like, okay, let's practice saying T's instead of D's. So I'll be like little and I'll actively make myself focus on making those D those T's D not D's. Um, and that's actually been something that I felt I really improved in because I can have a conversation and I can analyze what I'm saying and how I'm saying it as I'm talking without it affecting what's coming out of my mouth and the thought that I'm trying to express. Kind of on that line, I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast episode recently, and he talked about, getting a full transcript of your episodes done. And the way that he used that initially, I think he still does it for his show notes, but when he initially did that, it was kind of eye-opening for him to see all of the, the ums and the uhs and the, the, you know, vocal hiccups or whatever you want to call them that he was doing while he was speaking. And that really kind of brought attention to that fact for him. And I think that that probably helped him become a more eloquent speaker. Do you get transcripts done? And if so, how do you do it? And do you find it worthwhile? This is one of those areas where I am terrible at. (laughs) I know that you should have your transcripts. I know it helps um, with SEO and, and different things like that for the website side of things. But because I'm, by the time I'm done with everything, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do a transcript. Uh, but I've been working on doing transcripts and I'm using, um, is it otter, otter.ai okay. is what I'm doing. So it'll do it for me. And then I just have to go through and edit. Do you find that's fairly accurate or no? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Um, I've had a few British people on the show who have, I've had to actually do a little bit more editing because it wouldn't pick up the words that they were saying correctly. But the great thing about this Otter AI is you can listen to the audio as you're editing it. So if I'm, you know, right now, if I'm saying, oops, I should have, um, then it will read, oops, I should have, um, while I edit it and it'll delete all of that from the recording as well as from the transcript. That's great. So as you're, you're editing your audio and at the same time you're editing the transcript, that would, I imagine that would save a lot of time. Yeah, you can't, I don't actually use it for audio editing um, just because I don't do transcripts very much. <laughs> yeah. But it's something I'm working on. It's that 1% thing. 
thing that's on my list of improving. What other kind of show notes do you try to use? Yeah, I try and do like a highlights. So if we're talking about a certain topic or I ask a question, I'll put at, you know, 1453, we talked about, you know, I just had a, um, a legal person on. So like 1453, uh, how to start your LLC. And then I'll go to like 2243, how not to get sued. And I'll just put highlights for each of the episode or each point on the show, as well as the timestamp. Kind of like little chapters, maybe. Yeah, a little bit. And then I'll do like an intro um, in the beginning. I usually use the intro that they share with me. Um, and then I like to do something call, uh, that I call an author action point, which is something that my listeners can take away from this episode and implement in their own writing journey right then and there. And for me, I, I wanted something that people could say, you know what? Yes, I can do this. And this is how I can do it rather than, oh, that was such a great episode. And then go away and not make any changes and not make any progress towards publishing their book. Yeah, I think that happens to a lot of people. They they consume a lot of content, myself included, um, learn all of this knowledge and then fail to ever do anything with it. Yeah, definitely. And I do that all the time, unless it's something that I write down. Do you uh, Do you monetize your podcast at all? Is that something you've thought about? Yeah, it's something I'm looking into. Um, I do, I have a bit of affiliate marketing stuff that I've just started. Um, so I do, like I said, I do websites and I use Bluehost to host the site and I'm affiliate with Bluehost. Um, and for me, it's really important that I'm not just market or just, not just selling things that I don't actually use myself. So everything that I, I do, I say, I've used this on a regular consistent basis. It's a really good product and this will help you in your author journey. So I'm looking, I'm starting that and I'm looking at, um, doing, what are they? They're ads. I'm looking at doing ads eventually, but I don't have enough episode downloads just yet. So I see. I don't want to launch it and have it just fall flat. Yeah. But I think it was, um, Pat Flynn who said that don't even think about promoting anything until you have 25 episodes because once you have 25 episodes it's trust you're built you've built trust once you hit that mark yeah i could see from the uh, advertiser's perspective it's probably not worth their time to be looking at making a deal with somebody who only has five or ten episodes yeah no definitely and i mean unless your episode has you know like a hundred thousand downloads you know which it sounds crazy but there are there are pockets out there with that amount. Yeah. Or you have a huge name already baked in. Yeah. I think the, uh, the Bluehost affiliate link might, uh, potentially prohibit you from being one of those. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> what do you see for the future of your podcast? What are you hoping for? Do you like your current format? Are you considering changing it at all? Yeah, right now I like what I'm doing. Um, I've not had any complaints. I've actually had some really great feedback from listeners. And I don't check uh, the reviews very often. So I stumbled upon one the other day that somebody had written like, maybe a month ago. And I was like, oh, that was really nice. <laughs> reviews can be a, a dangerous 
area to to delve into i think yeah especially if they're they're negative because it can really as like i haven't had any negative for my podcast um but i have had a specific episode where somebody was like that's ridiculous this is crap and i'm like wait what (laughs) (laughs) no it's not (laughs) and for some reason humans we always seem to focus on that one negative review and just ignore the hundreds or thousands or whatever it is of people that are praising it absolutely and it just like sits in your brain until you tell yourself just let it go like that's what i had to do like just let it go it's one person yeah maybe you're not their flavor maybe they don't agree with what you were talking about that's fine maybe they had a terrible lunch yeah right (laughs) uh podcasting can be something of an overwhelming field to get into with hundreds or maybe even thousands of choices when it comes to microphones and audio interfaces and software and things. Did you have any sort of history with audio recording before getting into podcasting? Absolutely none. And that's where Buzzsprout really came in. And they did a review of the different podcasting mics that you can get and their equipment. Um, And they do it by the price point so if somebody who has the money to spend here's a great microphone for you but if you want to save some money this one is adequate enough as well so it was a a learning as i go kind of thing and using what i had at the moment until i was able to buy something new what is um what is your current technical setup microphones gear software what are you using to to make your podcast right now I know you said the the new blue, is it Snowball or is that what you had and then you upgraded from that? Yeah, I had the Snowball and I upgraded to the Yeti Nano, uh, which is really nice. And it just connects into my computer. Um, and I've just shifted from recording on Zoom to a site called Squadcast. And that, like I was telling you earlier, that records my audio and my guest audio separately. So if my guest audio, which I actually just had, she was really, really quiet and I could hear her when I was talking to her, but when I was listening to the audio afterwards, I could barely hear it. So I was able to up the volume for her while not messing with my own volume. Super beneficial there. Yeah. And I was like, wow. So that's what really sold me on it was having that one guest who was really quiet. Cause I've had a few guests who They've been, it sounded like they're talking into like a funnel or their, their microphone was all scratchy mm. the whole time, the whole conversation. And you, there's not a lot you can do. No, that's hard to clean up. I um, mean, you can do the, so I use audacity to do a bit of the cleaning up. So if there's background noise or um, like a, we get like weird buzzes in the whole episode, but it'll be in the quiet spaces as well. So you highlight that and you can get rid of that sound across the episode in audacity. Um, so most of it's free because <laughs> I, I don't make loads of money yeah. um, off the podcast. I've made, I've made a few, uh, maybe a couple hundred in the past, maybe six months that I've started doing it. So that would be through uh, what book sales or websites, uh, book sales, websites, um, the blue host. I've had some, some people take up the blue host offer. Um, but yeah, so yeah, blue the websites, the the affiliate marketing, book sales, and different things like that. So, but I like free as well. Yeah, free <laughs> free works for the most part. Free is free free is great. 
in a lot of instances on the internet right now. Yeah, and then I have a uh, it's a Sony headset. Um, it's a noise canceling headset that I use when I write. I'll go to a coffee shop, turn it on. So I just plug it in the microphone, and that's that's pretty much my setup. We don't have the camera on right now, but I'm in my living room. I've got my I've got like one of those couches that has all pillows mm-hmm. for the backing, so they're all piled behind me because I found that the way that I was sitting was hurting my back, so it props up my back, and then like the outside of the room is covered in toys usually. So it's nothing fancy. It's just something that is uh, just what I have really. And I'm actually looking at getting a sound box. Uh, I was looking at on, on Amazon. I can use it, put the microphone in and then plop my computer on top. Okay. So you're talking, it's, it's almost like a, uh, like a portable vocal booth. Yeah. Yeah, and it looks like that uh, the egg foam, the egg crate foam stuff. Yeah, the couch behind you should be doing a good job deadening those echoes and stuff if it's got big, fluffy pillow cushions. It does. It helps a little, um, but we're right next to the road as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got a big window and our fireplace blows wind. <laughs> so yeah, so I just use what I got. Did you find starting your podcast to be difficult? Actually, no. I thought it was really easy. Um, it's probably the easiest part of the whole process. The, the, like I, like I said, I use Podbean, uh, and the setup stuff is really easy. And then submitting it to all of the, like I'm on, see, I'm on Amazon, I'm on Deezer, I'm on, um, Apple, Google play store, the Google one. I don't know. I'm an Apple guy. So, <laughs> um, what else am I on? So I'm on every, like everything I can get on, I submitted to for my podcast so that anybody anywhere could find me. So they give you an RSS feed and then you're taking that RSS feed and and handing it out to those distribution channels. Yeah. And some of them you have to go to directly, but in Podbean there more and more, um, they've actually increased since I started that you can do it right from your dashboard uh, rather than having to go to each individual website to submit. That would be super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they had it for like Apple and a few other of the others, but now it's increased from like three or four to maybe about 10. Wow. Do they break down, um, do you get, do you get stats in there? Do they break down which networks people are listening on? Uh, they do. Yeah. Uh, let me pull it up real quick and I'll tell you. So you get a, when you go to your Podbean thing, you look at it, it gives you the number of episodes that you've done gives you your top your last three episodes and the number of listens Uh, and then you can log into your dashboard which then tells you what country somebody has listened in Uh, and then it will give you like a pie chart which will tell you they listened on apple or they listened on spotify which one's your highest platform right now right now it's apple apple podcasts yeah the apple podcast has been the most but not by much um, sometimes it's only like 35% of the listeners were listening on Apple. Other times it's 50 to 60. Um, but it also tells you your uh, last 40, last seven days downloads, your all time downloads. Uh, I find it really helpful and I try not to like just watch it all the time. <laughs> do you, do you ever try to um, 
kind of dissect what those stats might mean as far as picking future topics? Are you looking at what episodes have done really well and, and find yourself biasing future episodes to kind of follow a similar vein? I am actually starting to do that now um, uh, because I feel I'm at a point where I have enough information to tell me what's good. Cause you can do like, you'll click on it. I'll t- give you the most, the top 10 most downloaded episodes um, from a certain date range. And you can do a month. You can do um, all episodes for the whole of your, I guess, podcasting career. Um, so if I did like for, uh, for the last 30 days, last September, 2021, let's do that. So my, my top one was co-writing was my top download and it gives me my download numbers and my, the percentage of all episodes as well. So I can go through and look at that and see, okay, well, this is really good. And I know for me, um, the author branding stuff is really good. Um, I get a lot of hits on that, a lot of listens, and I will look at doing a little bit more of that, diving into some things to help on that. I've just reached out to somebody to talk about um, marketing on, on social media because it falls in that vein. So I am, but only just. Just kind of getting started with it. Yeah. You have a website for your podcast, and I know that you have the author website guide and you make websites. So obviously you're, you're familiar with websites and things like that, web technologies. Do you find having a website to be necessary? It, it's probably helpful, but do you think it's necessary for a podcast to have a website? I do. Um, just because I'm on the persuasion that you can't rely on social media. Like we just had the great Facebook blackout the couple of weeks ago. They were down for like six hours. And you were, if you were publishing an episode within that six hours and your that first bit of time is your best time to get people to, to listen and get people to hear that you've published something, you have no way of contacting your listeners. So by having your own website, people can go there and check it out and you can put stuff there instead of just relying on a third party site. And by extension, your own email list. Yeah. What are you using to make your websites? I like to use uh, WordPress. Um, it's got so many people who use WordPress that if you have a problem, you can Google it and somebody will somewhere will have had that problem and come up with an answer. Uh, so I use that and there's so many different templates that you can use to customize to make your your own stuff. Are you, so I, I am fairly experienced with building websites and particularly websites on WordPress too. So I'm curious, do you use a page builder at all or are you actually getting in there and editing the theme files? I actually use the Elementor. Hey, me too. Yeah, I know. Cause I do it for clients. I found it easier for them to be able to handle it Yeah, rather than having to walk them through or have them pay me more. Cause a lot of times it's new authors or, you know, people who don't have a lot of money. So I don't want them to be constantly coming back to me. Yeah. Elementor's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. So like I've just started see just a year and a half ago, I discovered it and uh, I've built like two, three websites for authors from it. And it's so easy for them to just go in and change something like add a photo or add a little extra text rather than me having to do that and then charge them for that. 
Where do you see podcasts going in the future? Do you think we're still on the leading edge of podcasting or is this a mature market now and it's it's too late to get in? Uh, that is a really good question. And honestly, it's not something I really think about, um, but I don't think it's too late to get in. Um, I know like audiobooks are on the rise. So audio is on the rise, but also I just went through a, a training session today for my job talking about uh, Generation Alpha. Uh, so it'd be like my kid's age and it's talking about how they are visual and their top search engine isn't Google. It's YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I could see podcasts going from just audio to audio and video. Do you have video components to your podcast? Are you putting your, your podcast episodes on YouTube? Um, I'm not just because at the time it was a lot of extra work. Um, and I didn't have the capacity with everything else going on in my life. What I am doing now is starting to use clips to promote on social media and to post out um, doing the um, Instagram. It's not Instagram story. Or what was it? They just changed it. So they're reels now. So I'm doing Instagram reels instead of IGTV. Um, and then putting little clips on in different places. And I've had some really good feedback from that because Instagram is changing to not just photos, but they're tapping into that, the stuff that TikTok is doing. And because the generation that's coming up and who will be our future audience, they're going to expect the video. Yeah. That's something that I need to figure out. I'm, I am not on any of those platforms, so I need to need to get on there, I guess, and get some stuff going. What is one of the, uh, what's one most, one of the most important lessons that you've learned about podcasting since you've started? Be genuinely you, I think is probably the the biggest thing. You know, don't try and be somebody, don't be a personality because that gets exhausting. Yeah. It'd be hard to keep up. Yeah. And cause you're going to have to be across your social media, across your website, on your on videos that you do on audio, you're going to have to be that personality because that's what you're putting out there. You know, but if you're just being authentically you, then you can just do what you normally do and not worry about trying to be this character, be this person. I think that's really good advice. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about? Anything else that we should discuss about podcasting or about your podcast, where can, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, for my podcast, you can find me at authoryourdream.com. So people can listen right on the website. Um, or like I mentioned, um, I'm on Spotify, Deezer, Apple, and pretty much any, all the podcasting places of your preferred podcasting platforms. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast, Kenny. I really appreciate it. It, this has been, this has been great. This is, you know, learning curve for me. So I, I appreciate you kind of working through it with me and, and going through these questions. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. So thank you. Yeah, I did too. I, I really appreciate you inviting me on. That was my conversation with Kenny McKay, author and host of the podcast, Author Your Dream, which can be found on all of the major podcast networks. You can also find Kenny at authoryourdream.com. My name is Chris Cookley, and you can find me at whomakesapodcast.com. This is Who Makes a Podcast. I'll be back next time with another conversation with another incredible podcast host. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.